If you're like me, there are people in your life that you expected their story to be different, right? We expected their story to be different. I uh, had this guy I played high school football with. Guy was phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. There was no doubt that he was going to make it in the NFL. I mean, he just he had the skill set, he had the pedigree. Uh, his cousin was was a running back in the NFL. He just knew this guy was going to make it. Freshman year in college, he was arrested on drug charges, and guy amounted pretty much to nothing. I had a guy in in, in high school. Uh, we did we were on the debate team together. And here's what we knew. We knew this guy was absolutely destined for greatness. We said, this guy has the potential to be the President of the United States one day. Absolutely brilliant. He is currently serving time for embezzlement. I think about the guys I went to Bible college with. The guys that seem to have such great promise. And yet, they just failed to finish. Our world is it's filled with people that have great starts and poor finishes. We, we can even talk about it in the church world. If we, if we were to be truly honest, Orlando is riddled with stories of ministries and ministers that started well and seem to have great promise and great prominence, only to have the final chapter of their story be a story that's disappointing and sad and tragic. We don't have to look to Orlando. We can look to the, to, to, to the story of Calvary. We have ministries and ministries even in the history of this church. that They started with such great promise, and yet they failed to finish strong. I'm a, I'm a Chicago Cubs fan. Lifelong Chicago Cubs fan. I was convinced that last year would never come. If, if you wonder whether or not there is a God, the fact that the Cubs finally won a World Series is proof that there is a God. And he is gracious. I can't tell you how many times I would see them start well. April, phenomenal. May, incredible. This is going to be our year. And then the June swoon. And by the end of June, we're talking about wait till next year. I've lived that world. I want to talk to you this morning about this issue of, of how you finish. And I want to introduce you to to a man in Scripture that this is a man who his story should have been one of the great stories in the Bible. When the writer to Hebrews lists the heroes of the faith, this guy should have been among the list. Because he started so strong and he started with such great promise. Look at 1 Chronicles, starting in, in the 15th chapter, starting in the first verse. It says this. The Spirit of God came on Azariah, son of, uh, of Oded, and he went out to meet Asa and said to him. Now, let me tell you who Asa is. Asa is the king of Judah. 
the king of Judah. Now, here's, here's what happens. So, Israel, the nation of Israel, is really comes to birth. This first king is this guy named Saul. And Saul started out as a good king, and then he faded, and Saul was replaced by David. And under King David, the kingdom of Israel, it grows very massive, very large. And it is an incredible, a large nation. What God promised to Abraham is really coming into fulfillment in, in, in during the time of David. David is followed by his son Solomon. Solomon is, is, for the most part, a good king. Solomon has some problems in the end. And Solomon, David's grandson, Solomon is David's son. Rehoboam, David's grandson, is a horrible king. And, and, and in fact, when Rehoboam, when he is, when he is placed in as king, when he, when, at his coronation, the people come to him and they say, listen, in the latter days of your father's rule, he, he kind of was oppressive on us. We're hoping that maybe you'll ease off a little bit, right? And Rehoboam is told by by his counselors, listen, this would be a wise thing to do. Get the favor of the people. And if you get the favor of the people, if you just ease the, the burden on them just a little bit, man, they will celebrate you. They will honor you as king. You'll have no problems. And Rehoboam says this, give me three days. Let me think about it. And, and after three days, he said to the people, he said, listen, you think that my father's hand was oppressive upon you? You haven't seen anything. And as a result, here's what the people did. They said, we've, we've had enough of that. And they revolted. And Israel was racked by civil war, and it was split into two kingdoms. The kingdom of Israel and the kingdom of Judah. Now, the kingdom of Judah, that's where all the priests stayed, and they continued to worship the Lord somewhat. The kingdom of Israel went very bad because they were in rebellion, and God never honors rebellion. And so they went into rebellion. They had 19 kings. None of those kings were good kings. They all, Scripture, every, every one of those kings, Scripture says this about those kings, they did evil. Judah has a total of 20 kings. Eight of them are good. Twelve are evil. Okay? And Asa is one of those kings. And here's where Asa comes in the, in, in the, in the chronology. Okay? So you have David, Solomon, Rehoboam, civil war, kingdom is divided. Rehoboam has a son named Abijah. He only, he only reigns for three years. And then Asa is the king. And Asa, is a, he's a good guy. He's a, he's a good man. Look at what it says here in, 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 in 2 Chronicles 15. We, we see this, the Spirit of God coming on Azariah. Azariah brings this word to Asa. And, and, and this is what he says. Listen to me, Asa, in all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you when you are with him. I'm going to read that to you again because I want you to grasp that. The Lord is with you when you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. For a long time Israel was without the true God, without a priest to teach, without the law. But in their distress they turned to the Lord, the God of Israel, and sought him, and he was found by them. In those days it was not safe to travel about, for all the inhabitants of the land were in great turmoil. One nation was being crushed by another and one city by another because God was troubling them with every kind of distress. But as for you, be strong and do not give up, for your work will be rewarded. So God brings this prophetic word through Azariah to King Asa and to the people of Judah and Benjamin. Okay, This, this, this divided kingdom. 
And it says this in, in, in verse number 8 of 2 Chronicles 15, that when Asa heard these words in the prophecy of Azariah, son of Oded the prophet, he took courage. And here's what he did. He begins to, he begins to lead very well. He, he does the things that are, that are right. And for, for the first 10 years of his reign, Judah sees peace and they see prosperity. And, 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 and Asa, uh, he, he comes in and, and here's what he does. Okay? He repairs the altar of the Lord. It tells us that in First Kings, uh, First, or Second Chronicles fifteen eight rather, he calls on the people to return to the Lord. Verse nine tells us that all of this happened during this first period of his reign. Okay, and so they have this 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 incredible time, but but then what happens? Ten years into, ten years into his reign, they are attacked. Okay, and they're attacked by the Cushites. These are the people from 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 northern Egypt. And what, what Asa does is this. He, he inquires of the Lord. And God brings to them a great victory. And, and here's, here's what we see. We see uh, uh, five positive things about Asa's life. Number one, he gave himself fully to the Lord. Okay? Instead of following the, the, the model of Abijah, his father, instead of following uh, Rehoboam, uh, his, his grandfather, and, and even the latter uh, period of Solomon, what he does is, is Asa goes all the way back uh, to his great-great-grandfather David. And he saw how God blessed David, and he saw the connection between having a, a good relationship with God and, and how the rest of life goes. And so he commits himself to being uh, fully a follower of God. Here's what it says in, in 2 Chronicles 14.2. Asa did what was pleasing and good in the sight of the Lord his God. Asa made a personal decision to live in the sweet spot of serving God. He, he was determined that that was going to be his life. And, and he wanted that to be his, to be his le- legacy. Okay? And so they have, this, they have this peace of the land. And, and then when there's, when, there's, when there's time of war, what happens is this. He still, he still relies on the Lord. And all along, he's, he's committing himself uh, to, to worthy endeavors. In fact, let me say this. You're going to leave your life one of three ways. You're going to leave this world one of three ways. You're going to leave leaving this world worse than you found it, leaving it like you found it, or leaving the world better than you found it. And, and, and it, when you look at the activity, activity of Asa, it was obvious that he wanted to leave the world better uh, than, than what he found it. So he, he tore down all the pagan shrines and temples. He built a strong military. He led a massive campaign for improving the nation. And, and it says this in 2 Chronicles 14, 6-7. It says, During those peaceful years, Asa was able to build up the fortified cities throughout Judah. No one tried making war against him at this time, for the Lord was giving him rest from his enemies. And Asa told the people of Judah, Let us build towns and fortify them with walls, towers, gates, and bars. This, this land, it is ours, because we sought the Lord our God, and he has given us rest from our enemies." So they, they went ahead and, and, and they did these projects and brought them to completion. Asa improved the economy of his kingdom. He improved the quality of life for, for those that were there. He gave himself to doing all that he could to leave his world a better place, a better society, better economy, better nation. 
And so he does this. He also, Asa, he practices a life of faith. Here's what it says in 2 Chronicles 14, starting in verse 9. It says, Once an Ethiopian named Zerah attacked Judah with an army of a million men and 300 chariots. They advanced to the city of, of, of Marasha. So Asa deployed his armies for battle in the valley north of Marasha. Then Asa cried out to the Lord his God. And he said this, O Lord, no one but you can help the powerless against the mighty. Help us, O Lord, our God, for we trust in you alone. It's important that you remember that. What did Asa say? He said, God, we trust in you alone. God gives them great victory over the Egyptians, great victory over, over the Cushites. Okay? And, 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 and they see this. They see this happen in a, in, in a phenomenal way. So, so they come through this battle. They have, they have, remember, his first 10 years of reign, peace. Then they, they face this battle that lasts about five years. Okay? Then they have another 20 years of peace. And in the 35th, beginning in the 36th year of his reign, Judah is now facing another attack. And this time, it's coming from Israel. So this civil war that's kind of been a cold war is starting to heat up. And Israel is now led by this guy, Basha. And Basha has amassed this army, and he's going to, he's going to come, and he wants to do battle against Asa and against the people of Judah. Now, what did Asa do last time something like this was going to happen? He went before the Lord and he said this, we come to you because we recognize that only you alone can help us. And what did God do? God gave him an incredible victory. So the first 35 years of Asa's rule, he is the, the king to be modeled. He is a hero to say, that's the guy. He is a profound man of faith. But something happens as, as we enter into the 36th year of his reign that makes absolutely no sense. And here's what I want you to grasp. And friends, it's important that you know this. Number one, because there are principles here that impact our life today. Number two, there are issues that are happening geopolitically. There are issues that are happening around the world today that are a direct result from the decision that Asa made Almost 3,000 years ago. Asa reigned from 911 to 870 BC. Okay? So, so we're, we're about 880 BC. And something that happened in 880 BC affects your life and my life today. Here's what happens. Civil war is heating up. Basha has this large army and he's going to invade Judah. Asa has this precedent that when he's facing battle to inquire of the Lord and watch God give an incredible victory. And yet instead, what, what does he do? It, it, it makes absolutely no sense. I want you to take your Bibles and I want you to turn one chapter over. Uh, to, to 2 Chronicles 16. And, and notice what it says here, starting in the first verse. It says this, In the 36th year of Asa's reign, Basha king of Israel went up against Judah 
and fortified Ramah to prevent anyone from leaving or entering the territory of Asa, king of Judah. Now, Basha is coming to do battle. King Basha is coming to do battle against King Asa and Judah. In the past, what did Asa do as king? He inquired of the Lord. God brought him victory. What does he do in this situation? Look at verse 2. Asa then took the silver and gold out of the treasuries of the Lord's temple. He does what? He takes the silver and gold out of the treasuries of the Lord's temple and his own palace, and he sent it to Ben-Hadad, king of Aram, who was ruling in Damascus. And he says this to this Syrian king. Let there be a a treaty between me and you, he said, as there was between my father and your father. See, I'm sending you silver and gold. Now break your treaty with Basha, king of Israel, so so he will withdraw from me. What is What does Asa do? Instead of inquiring of the Lord, he makes an alliance with the Syrians. I'm pausing because I want want this to sink in. He makes an alliance with the Syrians. Listen, God had a plan not just to give Asa victory over Basha, but God had a plan for Asa to conquer the Syrians as well. And Asa being disobedient to God, not only did it have ramifications in his day, but it has had ramifications all the way through to what we're facing today. Because Asa failed to finish strong, it doesn't just affect him, and it doesn't just affect the people around him. Our destinies are intertwined. Our legacies are connected. Your life matters. It's not just about you. See, you are called to be salt and light. You're called to be an influencer in your world. And when we fail to finish strong, it doesn't just impact us. It doesn't just impact our immediate family. It doesn't just impact our community. It has the potential to impact history, to impact destiny. How different would the world be today if Asa, instead of making a treaty with the Syrians, how different would our world be today if Asa would have simply gone before the Lord? You see, for 35 years, Asa was a good king. But you don't know him. You don't remember him. You didn't even know his name before you walked in here this morning. Why? Because those 35 years were washed away by five years of absolute stupidity. It all starts with this. And here's where we go wrong. And we can learn from Asa because we do the same things that Asa did. Instead of trusting in the Lord, here's what he does. He, he goes and he turns away from the, th- from the things of the Lord. And he attempts to achieve through human strength. He attempts to achieve through his own power. He attempts to achieve through these alliances that he could, that he could form with others. And he's thinking that he can do this through human strength rather than trusting in God. Listen. It is in Christ that you are more than a conqueror. It is in Christ. It is in him, right? Now to him is able to do imaginably more than we can even ask, exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or even imagine, according to the power that is at work within us. It's, it's the power of God that makes the difference. But what does he do? He turns to, he turns to human effort. We live in a world that 
that we tend to turn to God last. Right? We'll do everything that we can, and then we turn to God. That's the reason why when, when, when somebody says, hey, is there something you can do? Well, you can pray. People go, really, has it come to that? Really, has it come to that? And Asa does this. He, he models this. He, he, he attempts to achieve through, through human strength. Listen, when you lose your trust in God, you will try to make things happen. You'll even try to force things to happen in your own wisdom. And, and here's the sad thing. The sad thing is this, is, is it gives us the, the impression that it works. It gives us the impression that it works. Because what happens in Asa's situation? Asa takes the treasury from the temple. Again, he does what? He takes the treasury from his temple and the treasury from his own palace and he gives it to Ben-Hadad, the king of Syria. The king of Syria, instead of having an alliance now with Basha, he forms the alliance with Asa and they're able to push back the invasion of Israel and all is seemingly well. Well, all is seemingly well. Second Chronicles 16, 7. It tells us this. At that time, Hananiah the seer, the prophet, comes to Asa, king of Judah, and says to him, Because you relied on the king of Aram, the king of Syria, and not on the Lord, the army of the king of Aram has escaped your hand. Were not the Cushites and Libyans a mighty army with great numbers of chariots and horsemen? Yet when you relied on the Lord, he delivered them into your hand. For the eyes of the Lord reigns throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. You have done a foolish thing, and from now on, you will be at war. Now, I want to go back, right? What was the promise that God gave in 2 Chronicles 15? The Lord is with you. When you are with him, if you seek him, he will be found. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. Right? There's that, there's that promise. And when, and when, 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 when Asa found himself facing the battle against the Cushites, against the Egyptians, what does he pray? What does he pray? Lord, there is none like you. No one like you to help the powers against the mighty. Lord, our God, for we rely on you, and in your name we have come up against this valley, or this vast army, rather. Lord, you are our God. He makes that declaration. And yet, when, when Israel's coming against him, by the way, a, fall, a far smaller army, he walks away from God. And he makes alliances 
with those who should be his enemy. Let me ask you a question. Today, in the, in the challenges that you face, are you, are you relying on God? Are you, are you tr- trusting in Him? Are you trying to do it in your own endeavors? Are, are, are you trying to do it in your own strength? Let me... Let me, let, me, let me speak to this issue for just a moment. I, I, let me go from preaching to meddling for just a moment. You, you know what? I, I find this. I find that so often we, we, we start strong, but then we, we fail to finish. And, and the, the moment that challenge comes, we will do things like this. We will, we will withhold the tithe. Because we, we say this, God, we know that your word says that we're supposed to tithe, but, but I've got this challenge, and it, it doesn't make sense in my, in my mind, it doesn't make sense for me to give that tenth to you when I have all these bills. And, and in fact, God, wouldn't you, because, because of my testimony, wouldn't you want me to make sure that I'm paying those bills first before I pay my tithe? Because you wouldn't want people to speak negatively about me in the world. And so, God, isn't, I think it's probably okay, God, that I, that I not give the first tenth back to you even though your word says that I'm supposed to do that because it makes sense, better sense to me. Yeah, I've really gone from preaching to meddling, haven't I? I wasn't expecting a whole lot of amens about that, but that's, that's, where, that's where Asa is, right? And so... He, he allows himself to, to lose sight of, of all that he knows and all that he does. And even though he's seen this history in his life of, of God coming through in a big way, he attempts to achieve in, in human strength. And when you do that, here's what will naturally happen. We will allow emotion to rule our decisions. Emotions will start to rule our life. When, 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 when the prophet comes and speaks to him, here's what he does. Instead of recognizing that God is bringing rebuke, he gets angry. He gets so angry that he throws the prophet in prison. Not only does he throw the prophet in prison he, and, and allow emotions to rule his decisions, he now begins to brutally oppress the people. You'll see it there in, in 1610. In 2 Chronicles 16.10, it, it, it tells us this. It says, Asa was angry with the seer because of this. He was so enraged that he put him in prison, and at the same time, Asa brutally oppressed some of the people. And it's interesting what happens to him. This is in the 36th year of his reign. In the 39th year of his reign, Asa develops a disease in his feet. He, does, he develops a disease in his feet. But, but notice this, okay? He, does, he develops this, this disease in his feet. And it, it tells us this, starting in verse 11. It says, The events of Asa's reign from beginning to end are written in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel. In the 39th year of his reign, Asa was afflicted with a disease in his feet. Though his disease was severe, and even in his illness, he did not seek help from the Lord. How does this happen? How does a king honorably serve 35 years? How does he tear down all of the altars to the false gods? How does he, when they're faced 
with an invading army, how does he turn to the Lord and, and, and watch God bring him a great victory? And then in the end, when a smaller army is coming, he makes an alliance with an enemy. Becomes angry and bitter. So much so, when he's faced with a disease in his feet, he doesn't inquire from the Lord. What does he do? He just talks to the physicians. In the 41st year of his reign, Asa dies from this foot disease. This is legacy. He died from a disease in his feet. And today, we don't even remember his name. I'm convinced of this. I'm convinced that God had a destiny for Asa. And he was, he was on the right path. And, and God was honoring the promises that he had made to Abraham, the promises that he had made to, to, to Isaac, the promises that he would made to Jacob, the promises that he would made to Joseph, the promises that he would made to David. I'm convinced that, that Asa was to be a significant influencer of what the world was supposed to be, look like, not just in 900 B.C., but in 2017. I'm convinced of this. I'm convinced that there are six and a half million Syrian refugees scattered across Europe because Asa failed to deal with the Syrians in, in, in 880 B.C. as he was supposed to. Why? Because he lost his way after serving 35 years faithfully. It, friend, it's not about how you start, it's about how you finish. It's not about how you start, it's about how you finish. And here's what I know. I know there are many people that are watching this on Facebook Live, live stream from home. And there are people who will watch this in the, in, in the coming days on Good Life 45. And, and you've gone from being in church to being de-churched. And you watch from a distance and you talk about how your experience with God used to be. But it's not about how it used to be. It's about how it is right now. And God is calling you back to relationship with Him. He's calling you back to restoration with Him. It's not about what you did yesterday. It's about how you're living today. And friend, you're here and you talk about the great exploits that you did in years past. I appreciate the fact that you took a missions trip to Nicaragua in 1972. But God's not interested in what you did in 1972. He's interested about what you're, do, what you're doing today. I appreciate the fact... That in, I appreciate the fact that in the 1990s when Mark Rutland was the pastor here that you invited all your friends to come. But can I tell you something? Your friends still need Jesus. It's time to invite them today. See, we live in a world that so much of the church wants to say, I've been there, I've done that, I bought the t-shirt. Okay, I went to Promise Keepers, I've experienced all that. Yesterday is gone. And it did not matter, listen to me, it did not matter what Asa did in year 29. It did not matter what Asa did in year 30. It did not matter what Asa did in 31. His legacy, his legacy was determined by what he did in year 36, year 37, year 38, year 39. It's when we get to the end of the race that the victor is determined. What will your legacy be? 
What will your legacy be? Well, it's not that big of a deal. I'm really not concerned about my legacy. Understand this, that your legacy, your destiny is connected with so many others. And there are souls, there are people's eternal destiny that God has placed you in the place that you are right now to impact and influence. We must, listen, we must finish strong. You must finish strong. These days are important. And God has called you to the kingdom for such a time as this. I'm determined, friend, I'm determined that my life will be more than an asterisk. In the story of Israel, that's all that Asa is. Asa is not much more than an asterisk. In fact, full disclosure, how many of you knew the story of Asa before you walked in here this morning? See, that's sad. I'm convinced that he, he was to be up there with the likes of Moses, the likes of Gideon. And yet, because he failed to finish strong, I, I know this. I know, I know that for some of you, you've come in here today and the journey has been long, long. I, I can appreciate that. But God's got a word for you today. Let us not become weary in well-doing. Let us not become weary in well-doing. I, I know you faced some defeats. I know that you walk in here with some hurts. I know that people have let you down. I know that for some of you, even the church has let you down. But it's time for those failures to be put behind you. It's time for those defeats to be put behind you. For some of us, it's, it's not failures. It's, 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 it's not defeats. It's, it's accomplishments. And we live in our former glory, we, we live every day with this phrase. Remember? Remember the time? Remember? I have friends that when I go back to my hometown, you know what they want to do? They want to talk about, do you remember the time? Ed, do you remember that game in 1981? 1981, seriously, nothing has happened in your life since 1981? Let me tell you what I want to talk about. I want to talk about what God's doing in 2017. I want to talk about the neighbors that God has called me to be a missionary to. I, I, I want to talk about how God is beginning to turn my city. I want to talk about how God is energizing this church that I'm blessed and honored to be a part of. That's what I want to talk about. I'm not interested in yesterday. I'm excited about today and I'm committed to tomorrow. And it's time for you, it's time for us to set aside our past victories, our past failures, our past accolades, and our past hurts. 
In fact, even the scars that you carry will serve as reminders and trophies to you that God never gives up.